Hello out there. We're on the air. It's, it's Rink Moose Talk tonight. The beers are cold. The mics light up. And, and the, the boys, boys get set to fight. The gloves come off. Opinions get thrown. And someone slips on ice. One man howls. The other scowls. But the show must go on. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. You're an announcer with a long stick from time to time. With hockey flows. And Marshawn's nose. And Pierre Maguire's life. Not John's a leap. Ovechkin's teeth. And Hoffman's crazy wife. When Carey slumps. And Benjamin stumps. Durant's not LaFontaine. Jokes aside, it's podcast time. And Rink Moose is the name. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to episode five of the Rink Moose podcast. For those of you who don't know, Rink Moose is a weekly episodic podcast where two individuals get together and you fucking uh, asshole. and and they uh, they they discuss all things NHL as as well as uh, their implications <laughs> in the fantasy hockey world. We're not friends anymore. So everybody. We are, no, I I don't know who this <laughs> other voice is speaking here. Uh, my name, I know myself. My name's Nick Costu. Um, who the fuck are you? This voice speaking to me. Uh, why, why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, show your, reveal yourself for us? Well, my name's Kyle Neese, and uh, I guess it's uh, nice to meet you, you fucking prick. <laughs> I've never been so, so disrespected in my life. I don't know. I, I got a, I got a different kind of attitude today. So, and, and in public, I figured too, instead this of is awful. Yeah, this this is on the record, and uh, instead of op- op- instead of opening the show as usual, I'm feeling a little different today. You know, it's mm-hmm. the fantasy extravaganza, so uh, I can introduce the show however I like. Did you stay up late last night thinking, huh, <laughs> what should I say tomorrow? <laughs> well, actually, no, I'm going to make fun of this. I, I feel like every episode I can just open with whatever I like, and I can kind of throw curveballs your way every episode because you don't know how I'm going to open it. Oh, like the and, Simpsons. Uh, Exactly. <laughs> you know, because you're in a tough situation. You kind of have to react to what I say. So um, I'd say get used to it. Well, it keeps me fresh. Keeps me yeah, young. It keeps you on your toes. Keep, keeps you, uh, you know, up, up, up for a surprise, you know? Mm-hmm. We have, a, we have a fantasy draft this Sunday, actually. Uh, we've been really excited, and uh, this is going to be a good uh, good preparation, good help for, for Sunday. But I, I really can't wait. Can't wait to right. get fantasy going. Right. Uh, yeah, we, we have a we have a draft coming up this weekend. We, we have a draft coming up the following weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's exciting. We've, we've been doing some mocks and uh, we've, we've got some takeaways, some mm-hmm. of which we will share in today's episode. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, why don't you say we get going here? Right. I think that sounds all right, Nick. Um, so I guess we'll just explain how we're going to do things. We're going to go position by position. We're going to give you our top tens as well as three busts and three sleepers each. And uh, how we'll do it is um, we'll each give our top five and then we'll talk about it and then give our six to ten after that. Right. And if you have uh, any fantasy relevant questions you want to sprinkle in the middle, we're uh, I'm all ears. Uh, all right. So, what position would you uh, would you like to start at? Uh, let's start on the left side. Left side. All right. And uh, you'd like me to open up here? I would love that. Yeah. All righty. So, 
as my first ranked left winger, I have Alexander Ovechkin to no to nobody's surprise. Well, I mean, the 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 shots, you know, they they speak for themselves. The hits they speak for themselves. The goal scoring speak for themselves. And I know, you know, he may not be the most consistent. He is consistent, but he had that kind of off year a couple of years ago. He was a force last year. He was the Yahoo number one ranked player from what I remember. He arguably won, you know, got me very far in fantasy just because of him. Um, so, yeah, I, I go with Ovi number one. And uh, I, don't, I don't think that should surprise anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I got Jamie Benn. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I like the, the the coverage of this player. I think there can be a debate between two players for who takes this second spot. But I think Jamie Benn, between getting the hits, getting the shots, playing on a unit which is you know going to consist of at the very least one of Sagan and Radulov, and if it doesn't for some reason, well then at least he adds you know exposure to them on the power play, uh, a lethal Dallas power play, I might add. Um, you have the addition of Jim Montgomery. We've talked about that in the Central episode. I think that will only, you know, elevate their numbers. He plays center. I know Hitchcock asked a lot of him on the defensive side of the ice to play center last year. Now he can maybe focus in and hone in more on his offense. And so I would expect Ben to have uh, higher p- point totals than last year, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I got for Jamie Ben. Uh, number three, I've got Brad Marchand. I think, uh, you know, a player everybody likes. I mean, you may not like his conduct, you know, when he's a goon on the ice, but boy, oh boy, can he put up some lethal numbers. Um, high shot total, exposure to arguably the top line in the NHL with Bergeron and Pasternak. Um, once again, just like Ben, a lethal power play. I only, I, I just don't have him there with Ben because of that, those hit totals. They, they, they don't quite go up to Ben, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Marshawn's my three, number four, I got Artemi Panarin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we talked about the drama in the off season. Um, but you know, that aside, as long as he can stay healthy, which he's had no problem doing, whether that's been in his time with Columbus or, uh, or Chicago, um, this guy just, he puts up points, he puts up goals, very skilled player was one of their better players in the playoffs last year in their, in their series against Washington. Um, I, I, I kind of see him not quite in that tier with Marshawn and Ben, but, you know, I see him at the top of the tier that, you know, is right under that. So I have no problem putting him at four. Um, I, I think he'll be just fine for you, regardless what, you know, drama he may have started with his team. And, uh, fifth, I have Claude Giroux. I, I, I think, you know, we talked about how he had the abnormally high shooting percentage last year and how you can definitely expect his numbers to take a hit he had he had over 100 points well i don't see that happening this year that's that's very much why i see him fifth year but what i do see is him still being on a team that has arguably the most depth up up front he's going to have exposure to Voracek and konechny and couturier and now jvr and goss despair and the power play is just one of the best in the league um, as long as he has exposure to those guys, I find it just very hard to believe how he just has a dismal year. Mm-hmm. And so while I don't see him getting to 100 points, I, I, I certainly see him putting up, you know, anywhere from, you know, north of 85. And if you're putting up north of 85 points, then you most certainly 
deserve to be fifth on my list. So that's my top five. Kyle, why don't you, uh, why don't you show me uh, what you got? Uh, yeah, fantastic job, Nick. We actually have four out of the five that are the exact same. So cool. Uh, yeah, at the top of my list, obviously, is uh, Alex Ovechkin for obvious reasons. He just covers those peripherals super, super well. So, a, a guy I've never actually had the pleasure of owning in fantasy just because uh, uh, it's, I've never had the chance to draft him. And I, I usually, you know, defer to Crosby in that sense just for my own personal reasons. But, yeah, the shots, uh, the shots and the hits can win you a lot of weeks, just this player on his own. So... He's in his own category in terms of peripherals, and uh, the goals are definitely there still, and uh, the assists are not horrible too. So, yeah, nothing more to be said on Ovechkin. He's uh, he is what he is. Uh, Jamie Ben at number two. Uh, mo- most of the same reasons you said. He's a multiple category guy. He's a consistent producer. We've got that new coach in there who's going to add an upbeat tempo. I just uh, I just see Ben as this guy who gets it done year after year, puts up those shots, uh, great power play, and uh, as you mentioned, the hits put him over the top of some of these other skilled guys. So yeah, Jamie Ben would be a, a great guy to have this year as well. Uh, next, I have Brad Marchant, same as you. Uh, he plays on arguably the best line in hockey, Bergeron and Pasternak uh, with him there. Uh, he actually had uh, amongst the best point per games last year because he missed time. Some people may not know that. He had about 1.2, I think. Uh, and he actually had a a quiet career year for point per game, too. 1.2, he's never been able to reach. So a little bit of a regression possible there, but he has put up super elite numbers in the in the past couple of years. So I, I don't see that changing at all. And uh, And Boston's not going anywhere either. Uh, Taylor Hall at number four. I think that's where you had Panarin. Um, yeah, similar. Uh, I expect regression out of Hall. He's not going to put up the same MVP caliber season, but he has the skill and the supporting cast to be elite once again. He also puts up excellent shot rates, which is a guy, which is a, a category I definitely uh, value very highly in my uh, in my wingers. I want someone who who shoots all the time, and he's got that excellent playmaker in Heischer to. Uh, to set him up all all year, so I, I expect regression out of New, New Jersey and Hall, but I he's good enough to stay in that uh, in that realm at number four, and uh, number five Claude Giroux, again similar story here, hundred point season last year. That's kind of crazy, a little bit out of his uh, out of his league, but he's surrounded by just such great talent on that Philadelphia team. We went into it on the uh, on the previews. He's uh, wonderful on the power play, and it's gonna be. Uh, it might even be even better with uh, with Van Riemsdyk, that power play specialist, taking up the the net front. So, yeah, big hopes for Philly and big hopes for Giroux at number five. So uh, I guess that rounds out our top five left wingers. Nick, all in all, pretty similar except for that one Hall versus Panarin thing. And honestly, I see these guys as uh, the the reason I put them there rather than Panarin. I'm looking at similar point totals for these guys, but maybe Hall has a little bit of a higher shot rate. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. I just the, when I what I look at and the in the big piece I see is I just see more supporting cast members on that Columbus team who can help him, mm-hmm. especially from the back end with Renski and Jones and 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 having that you know potent first line. He'll be playing with a, a new center and and Pierre Luc Dubois presumably. Hopefully, he can only help. So I don't know. I just see the pieces in Columbus. They're a better team. I prefer the player on the better team just for exposure's sake. 
Right. Um, but what I will get into is six here is, is Taylor Hall. So right. that shouldn't come to your surprise. Um, he, uh, I mean, you talked about it. The, the, the shot totals are going to be there. Um, obviously 93 points last year, which is just, was just absurd because I'm looking at his stats right now and he played about the same amount of games the year previous and he only put up 53 points. So 53 points in 72 games in 2016, 2017, and now 93 and 76 for 2017, 2018. So you're looking at a 70 point difference, which is just godly if you ask Mm -hmm. me. Um, So I don't know how that happened, but he did it, um, which is ultimately why I think there's going to be some regression. I I think, you know, you've just seen him do it in one year. I need to see, you know, this happened multiple, multiple times. Um, I know we put together an 80-point season in Edmonton one year, but uh, still, I, I still need to see more consistency from this player to really put him into my top five. Um, and then also, you know, I mentioned with the exposure, I don't think his surrounding cast is that great, especially with the lack of additions this past offseason. You mentioned he should, fantastic. He should only have a better season given, you know, he's, he's now he's now going to be in his sophomore season. Um, but then other than that, you got Paul Mary. You got uh, you got Johan- Johansson. He's coming back from an injury last year. We don't know what to expect from him. Uh, on the back end, I don't think you have nearly the presence that Columbus has from an offensive perspective. You got mm. you got you got Will Butcher and you got uh, you know Vadinen, but you know I don't think that stacks up with Jones and Remsky. So um, and obviously you know plus minus he's going to take a hit with plus minus presumably given neither of us had this team in the playoffs. So. Yeah, that's how I stand on Hall. Great player. Uh, hope he can repeat his performance last year. I'm just, you know, not expecting that to be the case, and that's why I have him at six. Mm-hmm. Um, with seven, uh, this might surprise some people. I got Max Pacioretty. Hmm. Um, I love the move to Vegas. I think he will be slotted perfectly with a former teammate back when he was with team, uh, his time with Team USA with Paul Stasny. Um, I think he's going to feel just like right at home. We already saw, you know, a bit of that with their preseason game where he had a multi-point game right from the get-go. Um, the stress won't be there. The, the mental stress off the ice won't be there. So I, I anticipate another 30-plus goal season from Pacioretty. And the reason I have him so high is because I could actually see him scoring 40 this year. Um, I, I think the talent is there. I think the, you know, volume of shots he takes are, are going to stay there. Um, the plus-minus will only be better given he's now on a on a Stanley Cup contender. Um, so, and, and of course he's, he, you can only imagine he's going to be on that first power play. There's no reason for him not to be. Um, I could see him being with those guys like, uh, you know, March so and Carlson and Smith and, you know, I, I just, the team around him so much better. We've already seen what he could do on a lousy team in Montreal. So I just see his peak with a great team being so much higher. Um, my eighth seated, uh, player, Philip Forsberg. Um, you spoke about him last episode. Um, you know, almost a point per game player last year, uh, which, which surprised a lot of people. And I, and I, I just, I, I put him there because his ceiling is so high. A lot of these guys, they're safe picks. You kind of know what you're going to get, but with a guy with such a high ceiling, it's just so tempting to, uh, to select a guy like him in your draft. So high shot totals, definitely going to be on the first power play. He's going to play with Arvidsson. who's a great player. He has gaudy shot totals too, so we can set him up. Um, he's going to play with you know, Ryan Johansson, presumably. So the kind of guy who can't really get bumped down in a lineup because he's already made such a name for himself. And, uh, of course, he's going to have those guys on the back end, uh, back end to, to feed the puck to. So 
I think the, the ceiling's so high, given he was almost a point-per-game player last year. The supporting cast around him is, is, is arguably one of the best in the NHL. Um, it, it, it just comes down to ceiling for me. And this is a young player who I don't think we've seen at his potential yet. And, uh, and, and that's why I have him making the top 10 here at number eight. Um, number nine, a guy who I know we've both spoken about we don't like so much. That's uh, Johnny Goudreau. Um, just, you know, ne- never really been a player I particularly, particularly like. Um, I think I'm one of those people who definitely places goals above assists in, 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 a, fantasy, in a fantasy league. And, uh, you know, goals are at a premium. And the reality is this guy only had 26 goals last year. So out of a guy you'd expect to ha- hover around 80 points, um, you know, if he's going to get 28 goals, it's, you know, or sorry, 26 goals. I don't think it's living up to names like Patch Reddy and Hall and, and, and Forsberg, who could most certainly put up more than that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not so much a Johnny Goudreau guy. Um, you know, there's also the question mark. They don't really have a winger to play with. You know, of course you have him and Monaghan, but it hasn't really been decided who they're going to play with. Could be James Neal, could be Kachuk. So I, I think that uncertainty kind of, you know. Lindholm too. Yeah, yeah, it could be Lindholm. It's kind of a mixed bag. So it, it, it kind of scares me. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I'm not as scared as, as the Calgary power play as those other power plays I alluded to, whether it be Vegas or Nashville. So not as high on Goudreau. That's why I have him at nine. Whereas, you know, most people, they might have him at six or maybe as high as five. So. I got him at nine, and then uh, rounding out the order at number ten, I got a guy who uh, you know I might get a lot of hate for this, given uh, you know his presence in the NHL of late. But that's Ilya Kovalchuk. Ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I just, and it, it's tough for me to justify this guy breaking my top ten because the reality is he hasn't been in the show for a very long time. Um, but what I would reply to those people with is this guy was incredible when he was in the NHL. He had no problem putting up 40 goals i know it's been a while since he was back but he is back and i believe the team he's around will put him in a position to exceed um i see you know something at 70 points being his absolute lowest i could see you know something in the high 70s maybe even 80 is his ceiling and his presence on that power play i could absolutely see this guy playing two minutes the whole power play dishing the puck around finding guys like Dowdy and Carter and Toffoli and, uh, and, and maybe he can put up goals again. You know, maybe if he, if he was used to putting up 40 in the past, you'd figure he could put up 30 to 35 in his sleep. So I, I, I think that consistency he showed in his career can, uh, can most certainly, you know, make you feel good about drafting him. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm very high on the player and I, I believe he's found the right home in LA and, uh, I think people who draft him, especially where he's going right about now, which is you know fairly fairly higher than I expected. He's going about the seventh round, seventy seventh pick. I think that's a good spot to take him, and uh, I have no problem putting him at number ten. So uh, that's all I got here, Kyle. Very interesting. Very interesting. I'm glad. Okay, so I'll I'll give you mine. We'll have a quick chat. Um, sure. So at six, I have Artemi Panarin. Um, yeah, just, uh, just a fantastic skilled guy. I watched him in the playoffs last year and it was almost like at times he was the, the, the one man show carrying Columbus, uh, some games. It was just incredible. The reason I, I have some hesitations here is that whole off season, uh, shenanigans with him wanting to be moved and potential trade or, 
you know, something along those lines. So that dark cloud kind of looms over my head. Uh, now, a, a trade could either move, move them up the list or down the list. So there's a little bit of question mark there. So that's kind of why I have him at uh, at six. But yeah, because he's just still such a fantastic player. Now at seven, I have uh, Philip Forsberg. Uh, a lot of the same reasons you described. Uh, to me, I, I look at this player. And I, I just see a guy like waiting for this breakout season. He's... Uh, I think he's ready to put up a point per game season. He covers all categories well. He shoots. He hits. He's an offensive catalyst uh, at the forward point for uh, for Nashville. Um, and we've seen little things in the past where he's been inconsistent, where maybe he starts the season very slow but finishes on an on an absolutely elite level. I think we've both had him in fantasy at times when he's done that, where it's the Philip Forsberg starts the first half of the season like a goof and gets dropped. And then uh, someone picks him up in the second half and wins the year or something like that. So he's got that in him if he finds that consistency and uh, and showed what he what he showed uh, a little bit of last year and especially in the playoffs. Then we could be looking at a really good player at uh, number seven there. Number eight, I got a I got a new one for us is Jonathan Marcheseau. Um This guy for Vegas, he's an, he's just an all around beast in all categories. Well, not 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 a beast. He, he I kind of talked to him about uh, speak of him like a mini Jamie Ben. He covers all categories very well. Um, he does everything you want. He shoots. He hits. He puts up points, but not on Ben's level. So I look at Marsh. So maybe a guy lower ceiling, but uh, he's going to be an all around great player for you if you do value those uh, peripheral categories. Uh, number nine, Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, you mentioned you. Um, you didn't really love the player as uh, like personally. I'm uh, I'm with you on that boat. He's got a super high talent level. He he's capable of putting up major major points, but he does lack uh, the opportunity to put up a lot of goals. And he's poor in the peripherals, very low in hits, and uh, not really a shot taker. So um, although I do see uh, Sean Monahan having a great year, so Goodrow could uh, could jump on uh, on that train as well. So. You know, you never know. He could surprise us with points, but even if he does put up a super high point total, if, if those other things aren't really changing, he still doesn't really move the needle for me to, to move him up this list. So uh, that's why I'm, I'm comfortable with him at nine. Uh, number 10, I have Max Pacioretty. And uh, yeah, if the trade didn't occur, he would be nowhere near this list for me. Uh, but we look at that high shot rate he's had in the past. He's going to be given tons of opportunity in Vegas. They they already look like they're parading him around like the crown jewel. So that's that's great for a guy like Max. He he deserves it. Um, the one thing I I do note on this player though, he's never really been a power play specialist, so to speak. He's he's had time in his career in Montreal where he's been on the top power play, but he's never really been that guy to really push push that power play and get you know 30 power play points is very 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 rare for this player to do something like that um it is possible if if he does find a way to break out on the power play in vegas then uh, we could be looking at a very high ceiling for this player but but right now i just have him you know kind of capped at uh at around 73 75 points kind of guy so uh, maybe a little bit lower ceiling than the other guys, but uh, probably going to be very consistent for you. And he's probably going to be a, a very safe pick at number 10. All right. Well, uh, like I said, I, 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 that's about it, the way I expected it. Mm. 
you know, we, it seemed like a pretty consistent top five and then kind of a mixed bag from, uh, from six to 10. So, uh, you know, I don't think we should get into too much of debate just for the, yeah. for the sake of this episode and all the positions we want to address. Yeah, but it's going to be what, a long one. Oh, yeah. But what, but what we will do is address some sleepers and some busts. So, yep. you know, I, I think what we'll do here is we'll go three for each, three sleepers, three busts. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let me just start off with, uh, with my sleepers. And then we'll, go to, and then we'll just work your, with your sleepers, and then we'll address our busts. Sure. Um, so my sleepers, and I'll just list them off. I got three names here. First name is, uh, is, is Mike Hoffman. Mm. Um, I, okay. So maybe, maybe not so much a sleeper as in like, he's literally at the bottom of your draft, but he's a sleeper in my mind because I personally think he should be going higher in drafts. I've seen him slip to ninth round, 10th round. He's going about the hundredth pick in a draft. And honestly, I think you can make the case for this guy being an 80 to 75th pick, just given his shot totals, given his exposure to these great players in Florida, these offensively minded players that he's now going to be you know, playing along with in, in, in Trocek and in, in Huberdo and Barkov. It's just exciting. It, it seems like the right home for the, for the right player. And uh, I think he's going to thrive. I, I'd be shocked if, if, <laughs> if, if he gets under 60 points. And, uh, you know, I could easily see him going anywhere from 60 to 75. And, uh, and I, or 65 to 75. And, and that doesn't really, you know, that, I think that's great for someone who is getting picked around the 100th pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got Hoffman there. I got, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who we spoke about. Uh, you know, obviously this is mainly just going off of his last few games, uh, in the NHL last year. I mean, he got the exposure to McDavid, you know, odds are if they can start with that unit to start the season and, and, and see how it goes, the, the ceiling for this player can be, can be very high. This was a first overall draft pick. This was a guy who lots of people liked. And you can't, you can't, you can't forget that. And anyone who has exposure to McDavid, and who has that kind of talent level that the Nuge has, um, I, I think you can't, you can't miscount that. And uh, there's certainly a place for him on my sleeper list. Um, and then finally, I've got Jaden Schwartz, who uh, is going very, very, you know, later in drafts. Um, he's going about the hundredth, hundred and fiftieth pick, which. Uh, Boy, oh boy, this was a guy who was, you know, leading, he was top point getter in the NHL for about, you know, the first third of the season last year. Um, He had high exposure to Braden Shen, high exposure to Vlad Tarasenko. Um, He's always been kind of a guy who coaches like in St. Louis, Mike Yo, he's not going to bench him anytime soon. He's not going to throw him into the third or fourth unit. Um, He only has more guys to play with now and Perron and O'Reilly. So I don't know. I, I just see this guy as, as someone who's getting picked later, who should be picked sooner. You know, he's going behind guys like Jace, Jason Zucker and Evgeny Dadanov and Tevo Teravainen and Alex Dabrinkit. Like he has no place being behind those guys in drafts. So I, I think he has to be elevated. And, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just like this player. As long as he's healthy, he's usually consistent. And so uh, I like Schwartz as my third sleeper. Yeah, well said, Nick. I, I like those guys you mentioned. Uh, one of those guys I do have as well. Um, yeah, I, I guess maybe the maybe for Schwartz, people are hesitant because of his injury history, but definitely a player that can, is capable of putting up just major points considering where he's been going. So mm-hmm. I'll give you my three here. Uh, so for this first pick, it, it might be a cheat. It might be, uh, but I don't think so. If, if we're counting in terms of Yahoo, uh, this player has dual eligibility. 
Uh, he's going to be mostly playing as a center this year, but he is available as a left winger. So I have Pierre-Luc Dubois as my first sleeper. And I think it's actually very uh, very smart to, to grab him as a left winger and use him as a left winger just because uh, the center position is so deep. But uh, this is a player who could easily put up 70 points as, as this year he's going to be starting the year on the top line. He's going to be starting the year with first-line minutes. What we saw last year is he, he kind of started off slowly, you know, worked around in the third line, uh, bounced around a little bit. But once he got going on that top line with real traction, he was a completely different player. So he's going to get that top-line deployment from the get-go. And he's also one of those guys who covers multiple categories. He's going to give you the hits. He's going to give you a decent amount of shots. Again, the ice time is going to go up, so the the, the shots will go up for the year. Uh, just a guy I have a, a lot of high hopes for. He showed really good chemistry with Panarin. So uh, if I can grab him somehow, I'm, I'm going to for sure target this kind of guy. And uh, yeah, that that's Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, number two, uh, Nugent Hopkins. Very, very similar reasons to what you said. He's got... Uh, he was very, very good on McDavid's line near the end of the year. Something around a point per game, maybe just over. And uh, I, I expect him to get top line power play time as well. And uh, we mentioned how, well, I, I mentioned how that I think that would improve quite a lot. So uh, yeah, Nugent Hopkins there. Uh, this number three is going to be an interesting one. Maybe not the most popular choice because of uh, John Tavares, but he's going drafted at, at around 165. It's, it's Anders Lee. Now, some people are, are quick to throw this guy out to the Wolves because of losing Tavares, but uh, he scored 40 goals last year, and he scored 34 the year before that. So he can score those goals, and he might not have Tavares, but he, he is going to be on the uh, the Barzell line, who's one of the best playmakers in the league. He'll also get uh, top power play minutes and top five-on-five five minutes, and it's a contract year for him. So he, he's going to be looking to prove himself. I mean, I, I don't see Lee putting up 40 goals. There's there's no way. I don't think he can do that again. But 30 is definitely not out of the question. And if you're in a deeper draft, I don't see why you'd leave this guy on the bench. He, he also covers hits and he can be a, a great net front guy as well. So, yeah, Lee would be my third guy in that uh, sleeper category. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we agree with the Nuge and, uh, and, I, and the other two. I mean, Lee, I'd be more skeptical. I'd kind of be in that boat of those people who are ready to throw him into the wolves. But, hey, we got, we got a long episode here, so I won't, uh, I won't debate too much with you on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so busts, which is, this is going to be fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, already here, my first bust, and predominantly the way I kind of, you know, chose these, these bust players were guys who are just going way too high in drafts. You know, this isn't discounting them as bad players. This just, I see the players around them in drafts, like slightly behind them or slightly ahead, and I just don't think they should be in that tier. For sure, so, yeah, same with me. Yeah, so I'm going to start here with Clayton Keller. Mm. Um, this is a guy who arguably should have won Rookie of the Year last year, and very explosive player, and, uh, you know, you know, he's, he's, he's a good-looking player, but the team around him is, is, is piss-poor, to say the least. And, and and he's not going to put up great points playing with a Derek Stepan. And the reality is he's going around the Raquel, Kovalchuk, Aho, William Carlson kind of area of a draft. And I think he has no business being there. I, I'm very skeptical to take players who've had one or, or even two good years and, and to just elevate them to that level. And, that, and, and to, to say Keller, to put Keller next to Kovalchuk and to say that, you know, they should be drafted in the same area. I'm sorry. 
maybe if it's a keeper league and in in the future, you know, he he can be a keeper player. Then hell yeah. But I'm just saying from the to just evaluate this season. I think uh, it would be a mistake to take Keller in that in that range, which is about the 70th, 75th pick in a draft. Uh, my next pick is uh, a guy in, going in the some, same area, and that's Matthew Kachuk. And uh, what concerns me with Matthew Kachuk is he hasn't even been officially pegged in on that top unit. Um, so really, his, uh, his value is going to derive from playing with Monaghan and Goudreau night in and night out. If he doesn't do that, this is going to be another high 40-point guy. You know, he had 48 points in the 2016-27 season, 49 points last year. I know he's going to get you the peripherals. I know if you're in a penalty minute league, he's certainly going to help you there. I know he's going to get hits for you. He's certainly going to help you there. But the shot totals aren't there. He's not a, he's, that's not the player he is. He's not some savvy sniper. The shots aren't going to be there. The goal scoring's not going to be there. 13 in his first year, 24 in his second year. Um, it just doesn't look too promising for me. And again, when he's going around that Kovalchuk, Couture, Huberto range, he just, in my opinion, he's got no business being there. Hell, he's going ahead of Max Pacioretty right now, which is just, and Hoffman, which is just mind-boggling. So I, I just, I just can't, can't justify taking him there. And uh, my final bust, and I won't go too much into this because we talked about it on two occasions now, is Claude Giroux. And and I, I don't mean bust as in again he's a bad player. I just mean don't expect the same production from him as last year. You know, don't expect a 100-point season. If he regresses by up to 20 points, if he goes from 100 points to 80 points, you should be ready to take that to take that hit because it could very well happen. We talked about the shooting percentage, the abnormally high shooting percentage. We talked about how they're kind of divvying up the lines now. He may not be playing with, you know, Voracek all the time. He may be having to play with Konechny, and, uh, and Couturier, and maybe even Nolan Patrick. So the way the lines there haven't really been solidified with the with the addition of JVR, uh, you know, a lot of question marks. And so he is going to be a great player. He's going to give you, at your very least, your 80 points. I just don't see him replicating last year's uh, performance. So that's why I got him as a bust here. Mm, well said, well said. Uh, so I will begin. We do Again, we do have one player that we agree on there. Uh, I'm going to start with a very just a stern warning. I'm not a, I'm not 100% sure where he's going in drafts, but I, he's probably going to go higher than I think he should. His name's Wild Bill Carlson of the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, uh, when I look at this uh, when I look at Carlson's stat page, I, I it just terrifies me because uh, first of all, the advanced stats are 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 yelling and screaming that he's going to regress big time. Uh, his shooting percentage was 23.4 which uh, if you know anything about uh, advanced stats, that's, uh, that's almost impossible to replicate. Um, the other thing is this player, he scored 43 goals last year. His previous numbers were 6, 9, and 3. And then I looked at his, uh, his, his uh, numbers before he was in the NHL. He's never really been a goal scorer. So if you're drafting, if you're seeing these 43 goals and something's lighting up in your head like, oh, I like, I like goal scores. It, uh, you have to be very, very cautious about this player. So uh, I'm not sure where he's going to go, but uh, it's, some, it's someone I'm going to avoid simply for the risk factor. Um, my second player was uh, Claude Giroux. Uh, again, for a lot of the reasons why you said, I, I still think he's a fantastic guy. I just think there's going to be a lot of people jumping on that big, shiny 100-point uh, 
sign that he's got over his head. Um, still, like we said, fantastic team, great situation. Uh, he's playing on the wing now. Uh, so th there's potential for him to put up another really, really good season, and I think he will, but definitely I wouldn't uh, be drafting him where a lot of people are currently. Um, and the last guy, it might not be like a, a bust, so to speak, but it's it's just a guy that I, I don't prefer, and we kind of mentioned this before. It's Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, it's just just one of those guys, maybe for personal reasons, that I, I would kind of look at. I, I just wouldn't really touch him. Uh especially where he's going. I, I even prefer a guy like uh, maybe Ricard Raquel who can cover other stat categories in front of Gaudreau, who, who can also put up points. But I just see Gaudreau as a really one-dimensional guy. And, you know, depending on how your league is set up, maybe you're uh, a points-focused league, then uh, totally different story. But uh, as as a guy who's just that one-dimensional, I'm, I'm going to leave him alone in that, uh, in that average, average draft position. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think we both kind of voiced our opinion on the players, so uh, I think we God. kind of both we both I, fall into that. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we're being a little hard on him, like we're just picking on him. Well, this Nasty. is the time. This is the time to roast players. Yeah, when you're when you're when you're when you're talking about busts, and uh, we gotta mm. we gotta be honest here, right? Yeah, cutthroat. This is a this is cutthroat. a dangerous business. I mean, this we're not is a very baby this is you got it. It is a result-oriented business, and uh, and the reality <laughs> is, a lot of these guys uh, they may have trouble getting it done. Yeah, for sure. There's uh, also something to be said right. about uh, like we're we're using standard categories as as our reference point. Uh, right. and like like uh, like I said, you might have different league settings, and that's going to be a bit. Uh, so take this with a grain of salt if you do. But these are the standard categories we're we're going off of, so to speak. Standard categories and. Another thing to mention, Yahoo eligibility. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they may have position eligibility that they don't have in other leagues. So Kyle alluded to Carlson. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna touch on Carlson in another, in another segment in this episode. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's ultimately why, because, you know, he has center and left wing eligibility. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us for the top 10 left wing fantasy options. We took you through the top 10 as well as a few bus and uh, sleeper candidates. So... Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you on the next one where we preview the center position. Have a good one.